it's late. So, but uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to pick it up at verse 12, and uh, we'll go ahead and pray and get started here in this, this passage. So, Father, thank you for today, and I thank you for your blessings today, and Lord, I just, I give you praise for your word. Um, Father, I thank you so much for the instructions that you give us, um, Lord, to teach us how to love one another the way you do, and Lord, to teach us how to hold um, the truth in our, in our hearts, in our lives, and to demonstrate that to other people and those around us, and Lord, also to encourage each other in the body of believers. I pray that you would help us to do that in increasing, um, to do it in a better way, uh, to do it in a way that, that you uh, are, your intentions, your will, your desires for us. And I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Yes. Yeah, I think I've heard that. To convict you. <laughs> right. I saw, I saw that on a bumper sticker one time. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw a bumper sticker like that one, and another one that really convicted me years ago was, if Jesus walked into your home right now, would you change the channel? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. So, um, as we get started, I just have a question. This is just, this is just something to think about as, uh, as we go into this particular part of this passage. Does everybody know what the word admonish means? Okay, so it's a warning. It's a it's a caution. How about the word rebuke? The the biblical way that the, the word rebuke is is used. Okay, so it's a stern kind of a strong correction. Which do you believe? Which of those two is more difficult to to carry out? Admonishment or rebuke? If we do, what is it? Because <laughs> I'm anxious to hear. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Right. Right, right, and so th there is a there is a, a, a an element to admonishment that the person, if if you're the one being admonished, you have to want to know what you're what it is that you're being warned about. 
And, and why I say that is because how many people like to be warned about things? And, and so we have to have a, a position of being willing to be teachable or being willing to be corrected. So a rebuke is usually the, the, the arena that a rebuke happens is that there's something that is clearly wrong and the person rebuking and the person being rebuked usually are both pretty well aware of it. And so it's, it's not hard to rebuke when you're, when you're certain that, I, I shouldn't say it's not hard, but it's not as difficult when you're certain that there is a, a, a definite sin issue that needs to be addressed versus this person is living this way and if I bring a warning to them, it could damage our relationship. It could hurt our relationship or it could bring them so close to Christ and, and strengthen the relationship to a point where it can't be broken. Yes, two of you. So you first and then you. everybody listen to this carefully because he's already i can already tell you're starting to describe what's in my notes later so you go right ahead go ahead yes Right, 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 yeah, so go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Right. Right. And the same is true of children or, you know, that kind of thing, you know, because when you read the passages of Scripture that say don't provoke your children to anger um, or, or things like, you know, don't bring your children to discouragement. I've asked a family this one time, do you think your children are discouraged? And it was an absolute, well, yeah. So why? You know, I just asked them, I said, why do you think that they're discouraged? And it, it kind of set them back a little bit. Well, wow, I guess it's kind of because of the way I treat the family, the way I, you know, and I'm talking to the, to the father and the husband. And, uh, you know, I've had very similar, and, and it's, it's very easy I, I've seen it in, in churches today where parents have told their children, you can't come to church because you don't behave well. And I'm like, well, do you tell them that Jesus loves everyone? Well, yeah. Do you tell them that if you repent of your sins, they could be forgiven? Well, yeah. Then why are you by actions telling them, sorry, you're not good enough? 
you know, and and it kind of brings into the to the to the picture into the mix how important it is to take your time. Uh, and, and I'm speaking to myself as well because I've made the same mistakes in my life to, to be gentle, be respectful and be serious when it me, when you want a child, a spouse, a family member to come to know Christ. I was just listening to your story. I'm going, man, you, you took the time with this person and then you took the time with this person. And I don't know. You said you got home, what, at midnight that night, something like that. And I, as I'm listening to that story, I'm going, that's what we need. We need to be so concerned that about that person, whether or not they're going to go to hell or whether or not they're going to see Jesus as their Savior, to be willing to say, okay, Lord, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Make me strong so that I, you know, to use me. And so, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Is that on the is that on the dietary list? Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, let's get into this passage. We'll read, um, I just see I I'm, I'm made an error. We're probably going to, on the uh, on the title, I have verses 12 through 28. We're probably only going to be through 15, or I'm sorry, uh, 18, excuse me. But uh, eventually we'll get through 28. And the title, it says, Is Peace Like a River Realistic? So if you've been in church for any length of time, you're probably familiar with the old hymn, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. Um, who needs one? Oh, sorry. Uh, and so, you know, that was a song that we used to sing when I was a kid growing up. And so I put that in there, is that real, a realistic uh, perception? And so when we start reading in verse 12, First Thessalonians 5, it says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for the wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. And uh, in verse 12, he, he acknowledges that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who, uh, who care for you in the Lord and admonish you. The elders of the church were men who worked hard 
to provide pastoral care for the flock in their spare time. And, I, and I, when I put spare time in there, that didn't sound right. So it's not really spare time, it's God's time. Um, but since in the early church, local le- leaders carried a full-time job as well. These responsibilities included providing admonition as needed. And since Paul used the plural, those, to describe their leaders, there was more than one such person in the Thessalonian church. Okay, so he's, he's given, in his description of the leaders, he's making sure that it's emphasized that there's plurality in the leaders. Be- why? Because sometimes the leaders need admonishment too, from one another and from the church. And uh, we understand that from the previous verse that we read last week. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Because Paul's saying in that verse, I'm going to move on to the next city, to the next church. I'm going to be moving on and, and instructing them. So you need to be established well enough so that that continues to take place once I'm gone. That there are people in position to do those things. Uh, on a continued and a repeated uh, basis. Who admonishes the leaders? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a very important question. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. Does, if anybody who works hard among you, does that mean that they have to be a leader? No. So a person who works hard among you is, is it can be anyone. Adrian can be studying the gospel. He can be studying the Bible. And he can be doing all of the things that a Christian ought to be doing. Not just a leader, but a Christian ought to be doing. And this instruction of admonition applies to everyone that says that they're a follower of Christ. So he's, he's calling out the, the church in its entirety who care for you in the Lord also, and who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard and love. So there's, there's no word in here that says and, and specifically designates that this is for the shepherds. Yes? Yeah, I was just going to say that in 1 Timothy 5, he addresses both in one passage. Right. So he says, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless you're brought by spiritual witnesses. Right. Right, so that goes back to what you said earlier, that if we are admonishing one another, it shouldn't get to that point. So anyone is free to admonish one another, admonish a leader, hey, you know what, I see something, I just want to question you about it, and I want to talk with you about it and help me understand how it is that that this is okay, and research it together. Um, and the person who is willing and wants to be accepted or wants accepting of that admonishment will listen and not make excuses. Um, so, you know, if it's, a, if it's a warning about something that is theologically or biblically incorrect, a teaching, an action, or anything like that, any person in the body of believers who is researching the scripture who is walking with the lord who is desiring to know what is right and what's wrong and wants to know what god's will is and is going after that and pursuing it 
that person has every, um, every right and responsibility as well to step into being an admonisher as well as a recipient of admonishment. So does that over answer your question? <laughs> so, okay. So I just want to make sure it's clear that, that anybody in the body of believers can bring an admonishment, but if you're going to come with an admonishment, you, have, you have, should have already been examining your own life. And, and if you have been and, and you're walking with the Lord, then yes, you have every right and every responsibility to, to do that. You look like you're going to say something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a warning or a caution. So it's like a it's even like a speed limit sign, you could say. The speed limit in a residential area as you're approaching the edge of town drops to 45 or to 30. Why? For the safety of you and the people around you. Um and the warning is, if you don't abide by it, you, at the least you could get a ticket. At the most, you could hurt somebody badly. You know, so I would say even the signs that you see along the road that are, that are just cautions, warnings, a curve uh, up ahead, um, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, absolutely. They're all, they're all kind of a picture of that. So... Um, Look at Hebrews 13. And as we turn there, you know, the reason why I ask those questions is because how many of us want to be the person who administers admonishment to another? What's that? Not me? <laughs> and I would say in our nature, that's most of us. And, but... If we are walking with the Lord, Jim loves doing it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think I know a person at all that enjoys doing it, but I, would, I think I could accurately say that all of us are overjoyed when something happens like James 5 that we were talking about Wednesday night, when we turn somebody from their sin and we turn them to Christ. Everybody's happy then. You know, everybody is overjoyed. When, when, it, when a transition or a transformation like that happens. And so, for, in order for a transformation like that to happen, there have to be people that are willing and caring enough to step into a role to make sure that that happens. So Hebrews 13, in verse 7, <clears throat> he says, Remember your leaders. Of course, t here he's talking about shepherds. Um, who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 8 also, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, if we jump down to verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch of, over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. And so if we turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, just a little bit towards the back of your Bible, 
And it would be easy for me to, I just put one through because it would be really easy for me to read this whole chapter, but we're not going to do that. We'll just read a few of the verses here. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So this is instructions to the ones who are um, called to lead the, the church, the shepherds of the church, um, and, a, and a description of how to go about doing that. So I like when, at the beginning, Peter says, I'm a fellow elder. He's not saying, I'm the head pastor, or I'm the senior pastor. He's saying, I am a shepherd, just like all of the rest of the shepherds. And he has no more authority other than the authority that's written in the scripture. And his responsibility is to take the scripture and put it out there and say, this is what God says. This is what I'm going to obey. This is the example that I'm going to set. And then put that example out for everyone else to follow. Yes. Right. 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 And so this week, I mean, I was just thinking about this. I didn't express this to you guys, but this week I was thinking to myself, I'm so thankful for Wednesday night and I'm so thankful for Thursday night. And those, <laughs> those two things just really encouraged me this week to get past some of the things that were discouraging to me this week as well. And so, uh, you know, Wayne and Jim often make the comments to me, man, you know, I, I'm so, I'm so uh, encouraged and, and informed and taught by, by you two. And, and I'm like, <laughs> God's doing the same thing through you guys to me, you know, and I, and I, and I've, I've, we, I think we've made it clear between us as well as some of the other people the other men and women in the church that i learn as much or more from their teaching sometimes uh i have to have that i have to have instruction from from both of these men and from other people otherwise i i don't think that i could do what the things that i do and and i i fully rely on them to make sure that i'm accountable uh to keep me um where I need to be with God. So that word admonish, I'm not even going to begin to try and pronounce the Greek word that I put in there. But if you, if you look at that Greek word and then you jump down in your notes where it says warn under verse 14, those two words are basically the same words in the Greek language. The only difference between them is that in verse 12, those who work hard among you who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. The word admonish there 
is a continuous repeated action. So Wayne, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about you, you have your goggles on and you're watching everything that's going on, the people, how people are coming and going. That is the responsibility of one who is working hard in the church. Is there constantly, it's a continuous repeated action to watch out to make sure if somebody needs a warning that they get it. Okay, and so when you get down to verse 14, where he says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. That means if I were to, um, or, or for the sake of, for the sake of argument, if, if my wife were to come to me and say, Dave, you've been living this way up until now, and I have to give you a warning. She gives me a one-time warning, and from that point on, it becomes a continuous repeated action for me. Does that make sense? So if she admonishes me, she's not continuously, repeatedly admonishing me. She sees something, she gives me an admonishment, and now for me, it's a continued repeated action after that. So it's a, gram it's a grammatical difference between the two words. It's not a difference in the instruction itself. Does, does everybody understand that? Okay, so, so someone... No. No, no, no. She admonished me, and I went, thank you for that, and I changed what I was admonished for. And then from that point on, that change is sustained continuously and repeatedly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay, so those of you who don't know the story, we're, we're at Larry and Tina's house, and Larry's showing me up at being a husband, okay? Uh, he does the dishes, he wipes off the counter, and my wife says, well, he wiped the counter off. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you what I said, because it was foolish. <laughs> What's that? Said, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot, Larry. That's what I said. I, I told him. I went home that night, I said, Larry cannot be better than me, and I grabbed the rag and <laughs> like this. And so when I do the dishes now, I look around, and if there's crumbs on the counter, I'm and that's the picture, okay, is from that point on. I know it's a weird, funny story, but that is, that's an accurate picture of admonishment. Now, I wipe the counter for my wife. Why? Because I know that means something to her. I know that, that it may not be that I'm a better husband now, but, you know, she walks in and she thinks, wow, he, he, went, a, he went a step further than he did before. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's enough out of you guys. Uh, <clears throat> next thing we're going to hear is, well, my husband does the laundry. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so a leader is continuously, like Wayne was saying, that he is constantly looking around, not so that, okay, who can I get today? I'm going to pounce on somebody. It's not like that. It's, it's for the purpose of making sure that the church all together is moving in the same direction and there's not somebody going, you know what, maybe I'll just go dabble in this for a little while. Yeah, and he'd take a little stick and he'd go, bup, 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 up this way, bup, 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 and he gives them a little tap and, and brings them back. And so, you know, he's got his eyes on all the sheep and if one continues to, you know, kind of want to stray out from the, from the flock, he, he brings them back, you know. Um, and so that's the picture. 
Excuse me? Criticism? That is a very good question. Because when we get down a couple verses, hopefully we'll get to it today, he addresses that exactly. Okay? Um, and we will we'll answer that question. If I don't answer it for you, ask me again after Sunday school and I'll answer it directly. Um, anyway, in verse 13... Oh, I'm sorry. Admonishment. Let's look at these other verses real quick. Colossians chapter 1. And these are just places where the, the same or similar instructions uh, are given. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. He says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery of that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully matured in Christ to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerful work, powerfully works in me. <clears throat> so admonishment and teaching go hand in hand. Um, you know, if we want to be taught about the things that need change in our life, um, then we want to accept and be willing to accept admonishment. And a leader who is admonishing correctly enters into that very carefully and very um, graciously. Yes? I was just going to say that I think the group is now the tail, the head of the first description is Christ. Yeah. So it's not just criticizing. Right. It's instructing correctly. Right, right. And I would, I agree with so if we jump to chapter 3 in Colossians and we read verses 15 through 17, he starts this verse, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So if the peace of God doesn't rule in your heart, um, if, the, if thankfulness is not in your heart, then admonishment is probably not going to be administered correctly. It's probably going to come off like criticism. It's going to seem like uh, uh, a retaliation or something of that nature. So in verse 13, he says, hold them, in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 5, hold them in highest regard in love. 
Now, this is not favoritism, but an esteem because of their work. Their responsibility is to God, and they will give an account, as we read in 1 Peter 5. Or, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 13, 17 is where that's at. Uh, Living at peace with each other is the result of obeying the previous instructions. And the idea here is to maintain rather than to initiate peace. So there's a lot of division in modern churches today um, that could be traceable to church members that are disobeying these commands. So when you have a church that is resistant to admonishment or resistant to rebuke, most likely you can trace it back to a desire to, to be against being at peace with one another. Um, you can trace it back to a desire to living at peace with God. Um, and, and most people will verbalize, well, no, I want to be at peace. Well, the reality is, is they're confusing being at peace with being comfortable. I want to be comforted where I'm at. I don't want to be at peace with God by allowing him to transform me into being like Christ. And so the the picture of that gets really blurry when, like Jim said earlier, when admonishment needs to happen and people step back and people shy away from that. Um, Oh, sorry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So a a person who sees something like that, yeah, they can't be at peace letting something like that go. And the fear that that causes a person to step away from that is, oh, if I say something, how are they going to react? You know, (laughs) you know, yeah, you're, (laughs) you're saying my heart was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're No, no, no. When you but when you were describing it, you're saying, "Oh man, my heart was pounding." Why was your heart pounding? Because I know it needs to be said, but I'm really afraid of how they're going to take it. I know it needs to be done. And so what happens is is when you're walking in the spirit, you're going, uh, "How are they going to take it?" And you go, "Lord," and he says, Don't worry about that. Worry about how I'm going to respond to you for being obedient or disobedient in this this place. And so there's not enough. I I don't think there's enough of that. Like Nehemiah, when he approaches the king and he stops and the king says, what's the matter? What's wrong with you? And he says, Lord, give me the words. You know, I don't know exactly what his prayer is, but he stops in that moment and he just looks to the Lord. He looks to God and says, I don't know what to say. But I know I need to say something. So he steps into obedience, and and I'm convinced that God gives him what he needs to say and then changes the heart of the king or, or gives the king a heart towards Nehemiah to say, you know what? What you've asked for, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to grant it to you. And so you, you're not looking for a reward from the people that you're ministering to. You're looking to, I don't want you to, to suffer judgment from my Savior. I want you to, to see Jesus as your Savior too. You know, and so that, when we allow that 
to take over the anxiety, the, 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 the struggle within the heart, um, those kind of things, then we realize, wow, it's not up to me to save them. It's just up to me to give them the information, to deliver the message. And so I picture when Noah was building the ark, I picture him going into the city and trying to preach to people and trying to give people the information. Come join me on the ark. Repent of your life. Repent of the things that you're doing and come and join me. And, you know, would, would I continue to preach for 100 years if nobody repented? <laughs> I don't know if I could be considered that strong. You know, I, I wonder about that. Uh, so the question for me today is, am I still willing to continue to pray for people that I really care about until I don't have any more breath in my lungs? Right. And share it with them. You know, and there's, there's a point where in the New Testament, God says, you know what? Wipe the dust off your feet and then just show them by your good life. So that means, and, and somebody in this room helped me with this one time, to pray that they're positioned so that they need me for something that I can offer them. And I went, hmm. And, and I started praying that for, for one of my family members. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm in, a, I'm in a bad situation. What do I do? Can we open up the Bible and see what God says about that situation? Sure. We do that. And then they have a decision to make. And again, it's not me telling them, this is what you need to do. It's God saying, this is what I want to give you in exchange for your life of surrender to me. And sometimes they get up and they leave and they go, well, no thanks. And sometimes they get up and they leave and, and they'll say that. And, and like Wayne, they'll, he'll get a phone call 20 years later from a son that says, I'm, I, I can't do it. I got to give my life to Christ. And we all got to share that. That was awesome. That was an awesome day to me. You got your hand up? Or are you just doing the? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were putting your hand up for a question or something. So... Um, Right. 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 I saw. I. I was in a room one time when I saw a brother and sister, uh, uh, up, and they were on the floor and they're praying together. And the sister, th these are grown, brother and sister. The sister says, "I just can't do this anymore." And the brother looks at her and says, "Good." <laughs> and she's like, what? She goes, You're, you finally said something that's making sense. You can't do it. Give it to Christ. And let Christ do it and let him instruct you on how to walk. And it takes away that anxiety, that stress of that, uh, that burden that they were carrying. So, um, in verse 14... He says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened and help the weak and be patient with everyone. So there's, um, <clears throat> there's four ongoing and continuous responsibilities to one another, the one another within the church. Um, and the first one is to, is to warn. Good morning. 
And again, like I said before, this is, this is very, very similar to admonish that we read in verse 12. Um, to, give a count, to give counsel or to caution. And uh, those who neglect their daily duties and responsibilities need to be stirred into action. So, um, this is a self-examination that takes place right now is what we're talking and what we're talking about in verse 14 um yes well it, they spelled it slightly different and the reason and if you look at the definitions of both of them it does say exactly the same but even though they're spelled differently the difference in spelling is the grammatical text um from what i was looking at Oh, do you? Okay. Well, I got this off of Bible Hub. I said I got these off of Bible Hub, so I don't know if they're... Oh, okay. Okay. Well, and so I would agree with you that they probably are the, that they are the same um, because the, the definitions of both of them are identical. Um, so, uh, but like I said, the difference is... is in, in verse 14, warn those who are idle and disruptive. So you give an, an admonishment to someone who is idle and disruptive. Now from that point over on, they're no longer idle and disruptive. So that's, that's the difference between the two instructions that are given there. Uh, but anyway, those who neglect, again, their daily duties and responsibilities need to be stirred into action. How many of us want to do that? Do you want to do that? How many want to be on the receiving end of that? How many want to be stirred? I'll be honest. I, I do like that once in a while. I, I don't mind. Hey, you know, you should be doing this. You know what? You're right. I think I should. That's a good idea. I should wipe the counter. <laughs> right. And so I like what you've said before, and I think you probably borrowed it from somebody else, is, is, is if, you, if, you ha if you find yourself in a place where you really, you know, you've got, say you've got 10 minutes, should I pray or should I study my Bible? Um, I don't need to inform God of anything. He needs to inform me. I need to hear from him more than he needs to hear from me. And so I like that. I love that because uh, when it comes down to, you know, if I should be studying the Bible or if I should be praying, we all jump into prayer. All, anytime, you know, I can pray when I'm going down the road, listening to the radio, this or that, I can pray all the time. Yes, you can. Does God have the same freedom with you? Does God have the same freedom to tell you something at any moment of any day, any time of the day or night? Are you willing to sit down and listen? That's a good point. A Christian should. I can tell you right now, for a large part of my life, when I thought I was a Christian, I was unwilling to do that. So your challenge on Wednesday night, we have three minutes on Wednesday night. What are the questions? Right? Right. And so I've already shared with some people, I'll share with you right now, the first answer to that first question with me is real simple. 
what I was saved from? Faking Christianity. <laughs> yeah, see, so you're admitting now that you did not pay attention Wednesday night. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, my simple answer to that first question is what was I saved from? I was saved from hell because I thought that I was okay. And it wasn't until somebody challenged me by saying, you know what? You have a question. Let me just give you some verses. Go home and read this. Tell me what God is telling you through his word. That person didn't tell me. This is what God says. And then I had to go home and, and go, okay, that's what God says. And, and, and evaluate. I, they just gave me the Bible. They said, take these verses home and read them. Study them a little bit. And then come back and talk to me later. I go home and read the read passages of Scripture. And if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. How do you define love of the world? Anytime I put a substitute in place of what God wants. If there's, a, if there's an exchange for what God wants me to be doing today, I am either quenching the Spirit or I'm lost. Either way, I'm in sin. Either way, I'm in a very dangerous place. So if I know what God wants and I choose anything other than that, James tells us he who knows the good that they ought to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, is it James or Peter? Yes. Yes. So I just realized I'm way past time. But anyway, just I'm going to give you a couple more things here real quickly um, to encourage one another. This is the only place in the Bible that the word encourage is translated to cheer someone up. And what is meant by that, um, that it's meaning to console because he uses the words in this passage, the disheartened, and then he goes on to say help the weak. So there are some in the body of believers that are followers of Christ that have a greater struggle with discouragement than others. And it's not because of a lack of faith necessarily, but a, a, a lack of instruction on how to give Christ the struggles that they have. And so we'll pick it up right here um, next week. I do want to... Well, no, I'll wait. I'll wait on that. I was going to have you put a question on here to look at uh, for next week, but I don't know that we'll get that far quite yet. So thank you for your attention this morning. God bless you guys.